This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. It is Wednesday. How are you, Daphne? You weren't sure. I'm typing it as I'm saying it because mm-hmm. we have to like I have to make sure that I label the recording Wednesday. I'm seeing a lot of letters. There we go. Okay. Today we are talking about I guess we're talking about human milk. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um should I uh do you mind if I get us started then? Sure. All right, so what is the physiology of human milk? So estrogen and human placental lactogen induce breast growth and ductal branching. Prolactin is an important uh, hormone is estab- in establishing and maintaining lactation. Prolactin secreted by the maternal is secreted by the maternal anterior pituitary gland throughout pregnancy. Um, but the reason the mother is not lactating during pregnancy is because the high levels of estrogen and progesterone throughout the pregnancy inhibit milk production. At delivery, you have your, a decrease in both estrogen and progesterone, which leads to increased milk production and milk delivery. Um, the breast stimulation by the suckling infant further increases the production of both uh, prolactin and oxytocin. Now, the ejection of milk is mediated by oxytocin released from posterior pituitary gland. So they like to ask that so that mm-hmm. prolactin is anterior, oxytocin is posterior. Um, and oxytocin is a, is, a, is a hormone that leads to contraction. I mean, that's what we use for induction of labor, right? And, uh, and so it's a contraction hormone, and so it leads to the contraction of the myoepithelium surrounding male ducts. So what is the composition of breast milk? So breast milk contains hundreds of bioactive molecules, including minerals, vitamins, electrolytes, hormones, growth factors, proteins, fatty acids, sugars, enzymes, natural antibacterial factors, immune cells, commensal organism, and live cells. And I think that the way the boards like to ask about human milk is usually in comparison to um, other stuff. So... The first thing is that we'll talk about how mother's milk and donor milk are not the same products. And they'll ask you, in what way are both both each different? So donor milk undergoes a pasteurization process that changes some of its components, and that's the main reason why it's so different. In addition, the donor population represents a group of women at a different lactational age contributing to these compositional differences. If you get donor breast milk, usually you'll see that it's, for example, much wider and it doesn't look like uh, colostrum. Um, Specific examples in the literature demonstrate reduced fats, proteins, and total energy. The other compositional change can be found uh, in um, the table that they have on page... uh, uh, It's on page... It's actually further along. It is on page... 16. Um, Not all the human health benefits 
demonstrated with mother's own milk have been replicated in studies of donor milk. And in some studies, donor milk has been found to decrease the risk of necrotizing enterocolitis compared to formula. So if you think about it in terms of ranking, you have mother's own milk, donor milk, then formula in order to reduce neck. Um, um, okay, so let's talk about uh, some of those differences. So what are some of the immunologic and antibacterial factors in breast milk? So we're talking about non-pasteurized breast milk, okay? Um, which donor milk goes through. So breast milk contains secretory IgA. That's a very tested item. Um, highest concentration is in early breast milk. It binds to viruses and bacteria and prevents invasion of mucosa. Breast milk provides protective and anti and bacteria bacteries. Oh man, I can't pronounce this. Bactericidal enzymes. You got it. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and. The big difference in terms of early and late breast milk in terms of immunologic and antibacterial factors is that colostrum has increased amounts of lymphocytes, macrophages, and immunoglobulins. In terms of hormones, cortisol and epidermal growth factors are present in breast milk. Um, other enzymes, breast milk contains bile salts, dependent lipases, contains, breast milk contains a ton of electrolyte. Um, but it has um, decreased in sodium, calcium, potassium, chloride, magnesium, and phosphorus compared to cow's milk. So uh, while it does have these electrolytes, less than you would see in cow's milk. In terms of protein, we know that early breast milk is much higher in protein. So as uh, the breast milk matures, the protein level decreases. The way to casein ratio in colostrum is about 80 to 20 and it changes to about 55 to 45 in mature milk. So we, we sort of, there's a whole section on whey and, and casein, right? And they are the major protein sources in the unit. So when we say 80 to 20, don't think that it's like less protein, but it's just the, the ratio of these main proteins. So early, early milk is higher in whey, less in casein, but then casein sort of uh, almost comes to par with whey uh, later in the, as the breast milk matures. Um, in terms of breast milk, we make a difference between early versus late breast milk, but we can also make differences between fore milk and hind milk. So we know that protein concentration is similar between fore milk and hind milk, but we'll talk more about like how does fat change between the two. Protein supplies 75% of nitrogen in breast milk. Remaining nitrogen is supplied by non-protein. Most amino acids are lower in breast milk compared to cow's milk. So it does have amino acids, just like electrolytes, but less than in cow's milk. In terms of carbohydrates, the, the predominant carb is lactose, and uh, the lactose amount is greater in the fore milk than in the hind milk. So let's talk about fats. So uh, as we said, fat is a huge source of calories, and it provides about 50% of calories in breast milk. Now, the thing is that fats are seen in greater amount in hind milk versus fore milk. So for that baby that's not really growing that you say, let's use more of the hind milk, you're really trying to, to leverage this large amount of fat that you could get in hind milk compared to fore milk. Fatty acids and triglycerides are, are the most variable components of breast milk, and I think 
it has so many things that come into play, whether it is just gestational age, and but specifically also the origins of the parents in terms of uh, of genetic background, but also maternal diet plays a huge role. Um, so yeah, so in general, there's a greater amount of long-chained, unsaturated fatty acid in breast milk compared to cow's milk. Um, cow's milk also lacks the enzyme to enable fats that are present in human milk. So that's a huge singularity of, of breast milk. As I'm going to repeat that, has, breast milk has a greater amount of LCUFA, the LCUFA, as you like to call them. Now, breast milk provides lipase to help with digestion. Breast milk fats are fat globules, which contain proteins and lipids, cholesterol, phospholipids, and triglyceride. Um, and, and those are thought to directly contribute to the developmental health benefits with the digestion and release of its components. Fine. With time, we see decreasing concentrations of cholesterol and phospholipids. There's a... And then the last thing we're going to talk about when it comes to fat is that colostrum has limited amount of cholesterol and phospholipids, yet increased triglycerides. So let's talk about a few more things. Let's talk about cholesterol. It's needed for tissue growth. It is a precursor of bile salts and steroid hormones. And you see greater amount in breast milk compared with extremely minimal amount of cholesterol in formula. Um, and the cholesterol seen in breast milk, you might be tempted to think is related to the mother's diet. Like if the mother has a high cholesterol in her level in her blood, then the baby, no, it's independent of maternal diet. That's a very easy question. The I amount love of that question. Yeah. The amount of cholesterol in the mother's blood is independent of her diet. Uh, the level of carnitine is an increased amount in breast milk. It's decreased in preterm infants. Inositol, how am I pronouncing that? Inositol? I don't know. Yeah, inositol. Inositol is involved in membrane synthesis and may enhance surfactant production, reduce retinal injury, and it's greater amount in breast milk compared to formula. Looking at choline, which is, helps with the development of the nervous system, it's an important component of acetylcholine and phosphatidylcholine, um, and it's in low amount in all types of milk. Hind milk is obviously high in fat, low in glucose, and high in protein. Again, we said that the early milk is really the one that has more protein than the late milk. But again, remember, we were saying how um, we were saying how the even though high milk has high protein, so does so does for milk. So it's not like uh, I think sometimes this is where those comparisons can get quite confusing. Confused, so be, yeah. yeah, be careful. And then finally, when we're looking at premature milk, we see increased protein, increased electrolytes. There's inadequate protein concentration, inadequate calcium, inadequate phosphorus, and inadequate vitamin D. To provide adequate growth and nutrition, you need to supplement those. And I think we've pretty much all had to do this, right? I mean, mm -hmm. whether it is liquid protein, whether it is uh, additional calcium and phosphorus and vitamin D. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think this is super high yield. Um, so, Let knowing... Me, you, want me to, you want me to finish maybe this section? No, I can Since, do it. You sure? I mean, you can yeah. take us. You can uh, let me finish yeah. this, and then you'll you'll do the rest tomorrow. Because I'm on a roll. Fine. Um, the benefits of mom's own milk and breastfeeding. So, um, obviously, it is considered the gold standard for nutrition of of infants. So, if you have the option of feeding a baby the mother's own milk, this will always be the correct answers. Um, some of the examples. I mean, I think 
so many things have been proven mm-hmm. to have a positive effect, whether it is reduced BPD, neck, sepsis, income has been shown to be improved in babies who are fed in mother's own neck. So yeah, I think you can you can click whatever you want on these interest choices. You probably will be correct. <laughs> yeah, mom's own milk is the right answer. <laughs> yeah, some examples of long-term effect, decreased type 1 insulin diabetes, decreased lymphoma, decreased IBD, decreased obesity, obesity, decreased infection, improved neurodevelopment. So yeah, it is definitely liquid gold, as we like to say. Mm. So what are some of the contraindications to using breast milk? And I think that's huge. So in the U.S., um, there are certain infections for which we will not provide mother's own milk, and that includes maternal HIV. Um, the other one would be maternal herpes simplex virus with lesions on the breast. So basically, mm-hmm. you wouldn't want the baby to be directly uh, having contact with that lesion. Another situation is one we talked about, which is symptomatic mothers with positive PPD and chest X-ray presumed to have basically active tuberculosis. You would separate mom and baby and you would not breastfeed. Uh, Another contraindication would be active breast abscess. And uh, relative infectious contraindication include um, preterm babies, very low birth weight infants with CMV seropositive mothers or maternal oral HSV lesions. I think nobody's going to ask you about that. This is like a can of worms. Nobody has a good answer. It's very arguable. So, yeah. 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 But I think um, the active breast abscess is is interesting because mastitis, not a contraindication to breast. That's right. And when I mean they're not going to ask you, I mean about these relative infectious contraindications. The other ones for sure. Other contraindications include galactosemia. All right. You remember because lactose is the main uh, carb of breast milk. Uh, so you wouldn't want to feed babies breast milk because yeah, they have galactosemia. And then um, there are certain drugs that are uh, contraindication. I think a lot of these uh, hemonk, whatever our hemonk friends give, that's usually no good. So radioactive agents, fe- um, uh, cyclidine, methotrexate, cyclosporines. Lithium is also considered a contraindication. And here it mentions cocaine. Um, but, uh, I think a lot of people in Miami might, uh, <laughs> Boy. Yeah. it is still a contraindication. Even it is still a contraindication. <laughs> um, okay. And then the last thing for today is this last table, uh, on page 15, which basically compares, uh, colostrum versus mature milk. I'm just going to go through this so that we can just hone in these things again. The amount of protein is higher in colostrum, 2.3 grams per deciliter versus one gram per deciliter in mature breast milk. The weight to casein ratio, we spoke about that. They love to ask that question. 80 to 20 in the the colostrum, 55, 45 in the mature milk. Uh, In terms of sodium, 48 milligram per deciliter in the colostrum, 18 in the mature breast milk. So less sodium as you move along in your chronological age. Same thing for potassium, 74 milligram per deciliter, 58 in mature breast milk. Chloride, same thing, 91 milligram per deciliter in human colostrum, 42 in mature breast milk. Um, Calcium remains relatively constant throughout, 23 and 28 uh, milligram per deciliter. And iron, the same, 45 microgram per deciliter and 40 microgram per deciliter in mature breast milk. So basically, colostrum has more of almost everything except for calcium and iron, which are pretty stable. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Okay. All right, buddy. Great job, buddy. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. 
If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.